Hello and welcome to Quidditchivious Markets Uncut podcast, your weekly insight into the topics and issues that we have been discussing here at Quidditchivious. Remember, so you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you are listening on or by following hashtag comment on LinkedIn. I'm Andrew Cartwright, investment manager based out of our Birmingham office. And this week, I'm delighted to be joined once again by regular commentator and head of its interests, Richard Carter, and Ollie Creasy, our lead property research analyst. Welcome, Richard and Ollie. So in last week's podcast, Richard was talking with Christopher Scott about the governor of the Bank of England's recent comments that the UK was now much nearer to the peak of interest rate cycle than before. And perhaps in doing so, Andrew Bailey was signaling that the Bank of England is now starting to focus on the risk of the economy if interest rates remain too high for too long. And since then, there have been a number of important reports and updates that were released over the course of last week. And this included the latest inflation figures from the US, which saw the consumer price index rise from 3.7% from 3.2%. And while this was primarily due to recent increases in the oil price, even core inflation, which excludes food and energy costs, saw a slight upturn of 0.3%. And in addition to the increases in fuel prices, in the UK, the Office for National Statistics reported last week that average UK wages grew at 7.8% and by 8.5% if bonuses are included, and the latter was boosted by one-off payments to NHS workers and civil servants. And this came about despite a slight easing of a, what has been a tight labour market and means that the wage growth in the UK is now above the current 6.8% inflation figure. The update on UK inflation for August is due to be announced on Wednesday. And in terms of where those wage rises are coming from, the highest increases are being seen in the financial services and manufacturing sectors. And perhaps not unsurprisingly, the lowest increases are coming in the construction sector where interest rate rises are starting to have an effect. And we'll be discussing this later with Ollie. The European Central Bank also met last week and raised deposit rates by 25 basis points to 4%, which is the highest level European interest rates have ever been at. And that decision to raise rates was far from clear cut and comes at a time as growth forecasts for the Eurozone have been scaled back. Richard, the financial markets have had time to digest those various reports and updates and attention will now focus on the pending UK inflation data, which is due to be announced on Wednesday, and the interest rate decisions from the US Federal Reserve Bank and the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee, who both meet this week. Was there anything from last week that surprised you or was particularly noteworthy that might influence those central bank decisions this week? or perhaps change expectations over the medium term that we are indeed nearing the peak of those interest rate cycles? Uh, no, Andrew, I think you've you covered it very well, in a sense, in the introduction. I mean, I, I do think um, base case remains that uh, central banks are, you know, at or close to the peak in, in interest rates. And, and you're right, that's certainly what we've been hearing uh, from some of them recently, despite, you know, obviously the European Central Bank going ahead with another rate hike last week. I, I think what I would characterise some of the data recently. Maybe there's a bit of a disconnect opening up between what we're seeing in the US and maybe what we're seeing in the UK. So US um, US data is actually pretty resilient. It doesn't seem to be in a so far a massive impact from uh, higher interest rates. You know, the consumers still spending money. Um, actually, some of the housing market data is not too bad either. So, so the Fed, although the Fed's probably not going to do anything this week in terms of rate hikes, um, you know, rate cuts are certainly a long way off, which I think probably what they'll be 
uh, indicating this week. And it may be that, you know, if inflation remains sticky, that they may need to do a um, another rate hike before year end. And I think the sort of, you know, rise in the oil price that we've seen last last week or so is becoming a little bit concerning, certainly for bond markets. So uh, that's pushing up, uh, certainly been pushing up Treasury yields uh, recently. And then, But then I would, you know, say the UK, if you look at some of the data which you mentioned, um, you know, housing, some of the growth data, there are more signs, I think, that the rising interest rates has had a uh, started to have quite a big impact on the economy. Uh, and the uh, MPC Monetary Policy Committee will be concerned that they the, about the risk of over tightening. So um, probably another rate hike to come this week again because of just sort of sticky inflation and all the rest of it. But I think um, overall the balance of, of, of risks are of becoming that they're going to do too much. Um, so that hopefully, if they do raise rates this week, maybe maybe we can just hope that that might be the last one in the cycle. We'll uh, have to wait and see. Thank you, Richard. And with interest rates having risen so sharply with 14 consecutive rate rises so far this year and a 15th widely anticipated this week, we are now seeing an impact on the housing market. And according to the Bank of England's quarterly survey of lenders report for the second quarter, which was published last week, UK residential mortgage arrears have risen to the highest level for seven years. The number of borrowers who have failed to meet their contractual payments or had their homes repossessed is still low compared to the 2008-2009 financial crisis, which will in part be due to far more stringent lending criteria that came in following the financial crisis. But with an estimated 1.6 million mortgage holders due to renew over the next 12 months, it seems unlikely that we have yet to feel the full impact of the interest rate rises filtered through. The Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, RICS, also issued a property market update last week. The report stated that housing demand and prices across the UK have once again fallen and that the house price balance, the difference between the percentage of surveyors seeing rises and falls in house prices, fell to its lowest level since April 2009. As mortgage costs have continued to rise sharply and with average house prices widely anticipated to fall further, the outlook for the housing market is looking pretty gloomy. Only that sentiment certainly seems to be reflected in the share prices of the listed house builders. And we've seen profits warnings and dividend cuts so far this year. And the UK's largest house builder, Barrett, said last week that it does not expect the market for new homes to recover for at least two years. So what are your current thoughts on the outlook for the house building sector in both the short and the medium term? Are there any sort of glimmers of hope that investors can cling on to? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Uh, very good question, because um, it, it is a pretty uh, gloomy outlook, I think, um, although it's not as gloomy as it perhaps could be. Um, and I think just to sort of set the scene a little further, um, a lot of the house builders, you're right, have issued some profit warnings. We've seen share prices fall pretty sharply. Um, so far, what has driven all of that has been falling volumes. So you know, clearly, you don't sell so many houses, you don't make so much profit as a house builder. Um, but what I try to remind people is that when you when you don't sell a house, it's profit deferred, um, which is, I suppose, less bad than selling at a low price, which is, you know, profit destroyed effectively. So, um, you know, that just take that into context. But what we've seen so far is that fall in volume and, and, and the impact that's had. Your know, house prices have started to crack um, depending on exactly who you ask uh, and which index you subscribe to um, but they haven't really cracked and they haven't really gone down yet um, and, and again you're right to say that uh, probably a further fall is anticipated but um, 
I will confess I've I've predicted a falling house price many times before and typically been proven wrong by a a market that's got an awful lot of buoyancy to it. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a, a sort of watch this space situation because so long as volumes stay low for a couple of years, that's going to be tough for house builders, but it's a, a tough situation that they probably can recover from. Um, once values uh, you know, and house price sale prices are falling sharply, that's going to be a sort of a new paradigm for this sector. So I would say, um, my thoughts are relatively balanced in terms of what could happen to the how to the to the market of to the sorry the house builders market for the next let's say 12 24 months so long as prices sort of stay within a let's say minus 10 percent peak to trough sort of situation um if they break through that in a downward direction then you know it'll be a different type of situation and, and a, a far worse one now, sorry, sorry. You you did also ask for a um, a glimmer of hope. Um, the the best I can offer, to be honest, and it, it is a real one, but it's very hard to quantify. Um, but it is that historically, politicians have have a bit of a habit of um, maybe interfering, maybe influencing this market. Delete as applicable. Um, you know, we've seen help to buy schemes, we've seen stamp duty holidays, uh, mortgage guarantees, and, and so on, all been announced over the past 10 years. And each one has intentionally or not supercharged the housing market. Um, this is an election year that we're going into in the next 12 months. The Conservative government traditionally favour homeowners. Um, I wouldn't put it past anyone to, to try and maybe just... Uh, I don't know whether you'd call it saving their own skin um, or indeed just being altruistic and trying to help out a, a struggling population. But um, influence in this market is, is far from ruled out and, and any sort of scheme that gets announced could just um, have similar effects as it's had in the past. So um, that would be a glimmer of hope, I suppose. So, and, and Ollie, just quickly turning to uh, the commercial property sectors, we've now had a sort of reasonable period of time whereby post-COVID work Place patterns have become more established and whether that's a return to uh, the, the, the workspace full time or working from home or some degree of, of hybrid working. What trends are you seeing across the various commercial property sectors and what are your thoughts looking forward? Do you expect higher interest rates to have a similar effect to what we're seeing appear in the residential housing markets? Yeah, to be honest, Andrew, um, I think that the, the higher interest rates environment has already been uh, accepted and adopted by the, the commercial market which you know to, to be completely honest really paints the um the experiences of the residential market in in quite stark contrast um you know, property values across commercial sectors in the uk have probably fallen about 20 percent since uh, maybe just over a year ago now uh, and and that is a reflection of of higher interest rate expectations um which are soon to become a reality i expect um to be honest with you, the next 12 to 18 months could be pretty flat in the property market, i.e. you will get your income, um, mostly anyway, unless you've got uh, Wilco as a tenant, um, and um, you probably won't see much happen to capital values. Um, I, I've been kind of saying to people for the last few months now that it, it feels as though the property market, the property sector, is living under the macroscope, which is uh, about as funny as I get, I'm afraid. but 
it's it, it is kind of a truism that you know, we, we are highly focused on where interest rates and inflation and, and so on are heading and, and where we expect them to land um as long as they sort of as long as they behave as expected i i, I believe that the the commercial property market has by and large priced that in I, i'm not saying that they've got it right to the decimal place but uh you know we're not about to see i don't think uh, a sort of a, another 20 percent step down in values or, or indeed a 20 percent step up um watch this space interest rates going back below four might might sort of change my view on that but i think if we see them flatline in in the sort of five to five and three quarters arena then um you won't see too much happening in the in the commercial property sector for now so thank you, Ollie, and to Richard for those great insights and to you all for listening. Did you enjoy our discussion on the podcast today? We'd love to hear from our listeners. So please review the show now wherever you're listening or share it on your socials and tag us at Quilichibiot. To make sure you don't miss a future episode, tap the subscribe button. So we'll be back next week. And in the meantime, head over to our website, www.quilichibiot.com, where you can read the accompanying market overview as well as subscribe to our weekly comment newsletter. You can also stay up to date with our thoughts on market news, industry insights, and our upcoming events and webinars on our website or our social media pages. Finally, if you have any questions you'd like to ask one of our experts for our next podcast, then simply ask them via the weekly comments page on our website. We love to hear your questions. And that's it for today. So thanks again to Richard and Ollie for your time and to you all for listening. See you next time.